5, verses 1 through 12. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you at all. And I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. You have been severed from Christ. You who are seeking to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. Holy cow. Did y'all know that was in there? You are fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit by faith are waiting for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything but faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion did not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. I have confidence in you in the Lord that you will adopt no other view. But the one who is disturbing you shall bear his judgment, wherever he, whoever he is. But I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why am I still persecuted? Then the stumbling block of the cross has been abolished. Would that those who are troubling you would even mutilate themselves, emasculate themselves. And may the Lord help us understand this word. Ed, come bring our message in song. You'll hear him prayerfully as he sings. Necessary precautions to protect that diamond. I mean, you wouldn't just leave it laying around in the floor outside, would you? Of course you wouldn't. The freedom that you have in Jesus Christ is more precious than that diamond and price, more priceless. And the amazing thing is, is that we, for many of us, we have not really preserved and protected that freedom and we've already allowed it to be stolen. And thieves with their tremendous ingenuity and skill have invaded the treasure room where we have kept that treasure of Christian freedom, liberty in Christ, which was dropped in our lap the moment we received Christ as our Savior, stepped on the territory of God, Dropped in our lap was Christian liberty, liberty in Christ. And some of us have already allowed that liberty in Christ to be stolen from us. Now spiritually, there are thieves whose major goal in life is to steal from you your liberty in Christ. They're in the world by the thousands and they're even in the church. And they are legalists. That's what had happened as you already know, we've studied this long enough to know, that's what happened in the Galatian church. And we get to the sixth verse of chapter 1, and the Apostle Paul is expressing his amazement 
that somebody would have something so precious and so priceless as liberty in Christ, as freedom in Christ, and, and, and have already allowed that liberty and freedom to be jeopardized by the legalist. And he comes to chapter 3 and he makes this enormous statement about being bewitched. He said, you literally become bewitched or captivated by these legalists. They have control of your mind. And you've turned away from this liberty in Christ to become a slave again. And he stands in absolute amazement. For legalists are cultic by nature and they make rigid demands of a rigid loyalty to their system. And they tell you that you'll please God more if you'll do more for Him in the energy of the flesh. And so Paul continues his strong stand against legalism. And there is none stronger than the stand he takes in chapter 5. He's not giving up his diamond without a battle. And in the fifth chapter, he makes this statement, this assertion of liberty. You have been freed, he said, verse 1 of chapter 5. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. And there is this assertion that sounds redundant. It was for freedom that he set you free. The New English Bible translates it like this. Christ set us free to be free. That sounds kind of redundant. What he's saying is, is that Christ saved us so that we could live a life of freedom. He freed us so that we can have freedom, so that we can enjoy the benefits of His salvation without guilt or an accusing conscience. Now what does this include? What do you have in Christ with regard to liberty? What does that include? It includes deliverance from the power of guilt and the power of sin. You don't have to live in guilt any longer. It's deliverance from the wrath of God. No longer a God who goes around with a frown on His face. You can live under the smile of God. Freedom from the tyranny of Satan doesn't mean that you're no longer free from his harassment, but he that is within you is greater than he that is in the world. Freedom from the curse of the law, so that you don't have to go around following these thou shalt nots with this rule, this list, you know, you can't do this, can't do that, living under judgment. Freedom to walk in a new kind of power, to give yourself to others, Freedom to relax in Christ and enjoy every bit of salvation. For salvation has been paid for, lock, stock, and barrel, and you can't add a thing to it. Therefore, said Paul, keep on standing firm and don't be subject to slavery. I have read before that when the Emancipation Proclamation was signed to set the Negro slaves free, one of the greatest jobs was convincing those slaves that they were free, that they didn't have to live under the massa any longer. The Apostle Paul is having a hard time convincing these Galatians they don't have to live under the bondage of slavery any longer. That that yoke has been struck from their shoulders and they can stand up right again. 
to, to believe that Christ wants you to enjoy the very best and not go around feeling guilty anymore. Freedom. And he warns those who embrace legalism. And he says in verse 2, now watch, we're going to get into some scripture that um, some folks watching me on television like to use in arguments against, you know, Southern Baptist viewpoint. He said, Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. Now the NIV translates it like this. I, Paul, tell you what if, that if you let yourselves be circumcised, you'll be, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Now I've goofed that up pretty bad, so I need to read that again. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Now, understand that when he's talking about circumcision here, he's not talking about just the right, a Jewish right. He's talking about someone else's standard. He's talking about putting yourself in the, under the realm of the law. Now, I need to remind us of something before uh, we get to verses 2 through 4, which are difficult. There are two sides, now watch this, there are two sides to salvation. There's God's side and there's man's side. There has to be two sides to salvation, God's side and man's side. Because God's side is the side of absolute provision. In other words, in salvation, God makes an absolute provision, all that's necessary for man to be saved. But if there isn't a man's side to salvation, then when he made that provision, that would just blanket everybody. Everybody would be covered by that. So there's man's side. And man's side in salvation is the appropriation of the absolute provision. In other words, God makes the provision and man appropriates it. And that's God's side and man's side. Now, God's side and salvation is to provide the make the provision for your salvation. And your side is by faith to appropriate it. But after you have been saved, there, there's a point of time in which you're saved. After that point of time in which you're saved, God makes absolute provision for the Christian life after salvation but you have to appropriate that. And you can appropriate salvation by faith, and you do, and it stops there unless you appropriate the provision He makes for you in the daily walk, in, the, in, in living the Spirit-filled life, in, in, in experiencing all that God has for us who have been saved. Now, you, you agree with that, don't you? This is yes and this is no. In other words, you can be saved by appropriating God's provision for salvation and live the rest of your life in, in, you know, in poverty and in, in the wilderness. And unless you appropriate by faith what God provides for daily walk and daily, daily life, daily living, you, know, um, you, you live in total defeat and poverty. You live like a carnal Christian. Now what Paul is talking about, in my opinion is the appropriation of the provision after you have been saved here in these verses. 
He's not talking about to pe people who, who are um, lost and are thinking about being saved. He's talking about people who have been saved, but who are not appropriating the provision that God has made for the saved. Now, he says in verses 2 through 4, there are four consequences for the person who wants, after he has been saved, to go back to legalism again. Four consequences. The first consequence is that Christ will be of no benefit to you. No benefit to you at all. Now, what he's saying is not, now watch this, he is not saying that if you go back to legalism, what Jesus did on the cross will be of no benefit to you. He's not saying that. What he is saying is, is that if you go back to legalism and you try to live your life in a legalistic way, trying to please God and the energy of the flesh, trying to do more for the Lord you know, than you did yesterday, what Christ has done in providing for you in living the victorious life will be of no effect to you. You can't appropriate that by legalism. This is what Fred Woods, now Fred Woods is the professor of New Testament Union Seminary in, in uh, Jackson, Mississippi. This is what he said, listen. The words Christ is become of no effect unto you must be understood in their context to refer not to their justification, but to their spiritual lives as Christians. The apostle is not here speaking of their standing, but of their experience. The idea is that the Galatian Christians, by putting themselves under the law, have put themselves in a place where they have ceased to be in that relation to Christ, where they could derive the spiritual benefits from Him which would enable them to live a life pleasing to Him, namely, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Thus Christ has no more effect upon them in the living of their Christian lives. Now this is what he's saying. He's saying if you just live your life relaxing and trusting in the Holy Spirit, then Christ is able to affect your life with victory and power, but not if you try to live in a legalistic way. Secondly, he said if you do this, you're obligated to keep the whole law. You're obligated to keep the whole law. If you choose to live a life under the law rather than grace, then you better be ready to keep the whole law. It's like a person who runs a stoplight and his cop picks him up and starts to write him out a ticket and he says, now wait a minute, I was keeping the speed limit and I gave a turn signal at the right time and he just names all these things that he's done. I mean, you ought to let me off running this stoplight. I did all these other things right. And the, and the policeman says, in essence, no amount of obedience can make up for one disobedience. So if a person chooses to live under the law, he's obligated to keep all of it. Third, he says that if he chooses not to appropriate the provision but to live in the energy of the flesh, he has alienated himself from Christ. Now watch this, he's severed from Christ. Now when you read this passage out of the context, it looks like that all of a sudden he's cut off from Christ. He's, he's lost again. That's not what he's talking about. 
he's talking about the fact that when he begins to, to live in the energy of the flesh rather than a life of appropriation by faith, then he's alienated himself from Christ. Something has come between him and the Lord. Now, it's an interesting thing to me that the Apostle Paul makes a big deal out of the fact that one of the things most likely to come between you and your Lord is not the bad things you do, but the good things you try to do in the energy of the flesh. And the fourth consequence, he says, is, is that if you choose to do this, you have fallen from grace, that is, you've fallen out of line with the grace message. Now that's the big kicker there. Here's what Wood says about it. This verse should not be used to show that one can be saved today and lost tomorrow if he does not hold out faithful, quote, unquote. Paul is not discussing here the matter of once saved, always saved, but is showing the utter folly of trying to combine two religious concepts which are mutually exclusive. In depriving themselves of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the living of a Christian life, they have fallen from grace. The words fallen from are the word ekpipto, which means to fall off or to lose one's hold of. Watch this. The, great, the Galatian Christians had lost their hold upon the grace for daily living, which heretofore had been ministered to them by the Holy Spirit. Grace manifests itself in three ways, justification, sanctification, and glorification. The context rules. All through chapter 5, Paul is talking about the Holy Spirit's ministry to the believer. Therefore, grace here must be interpreted as the daily grace for living of which the Galatian Christians were depriving themselves, end quote. Now this is what he's saying in a nutshell. He's saying you can choose to live in two, one of two realms. You can live in the realm of rules and regulations, in the energy of trying to please God with all the good things you do, or you can live in the realm of grace and by faith appropriate daily the ministry of His Holy Spirit that empowers you and strengthens you and enables you to please Him. But you can't do both. And the greatest discovery that anyone will ever make, in my opinion as a Christian, is the discovery that he can never do enough to please the Lord. In fact, the more he tries to please the Lord in the energy of the flesh, the more he alienates himself from Christ. And he comes to discover that the secret, the, the, the clue here, the key here, is that he lives by faith in the realm of grace and appropriates by that faith the power to please the Lord in living. Now look at verses 5 and 6. For we through the Spirit by faith are waiting for the hope of righteousness. If you could, in your mind, make two columns on one side. One column you put in flesh, on the other column by faith. 
And that's what you got it for. In Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. But faith working through love, it doesn't matter what you go through in, in, in these rules and keeping these regulations. That's not what counts with God. On one side, you got in flesh. The other side, you got the column you got by faith. In flesh you work hard for righteousness and you earn it. By faith you wait for its fulfillment by grace. In flesh it's works that matter. By faith it's the Spirit and His finished work that matters. Now he comes to chapter 7 and there are four questions. The first question is, in verse 7, what hindered you? You were doing so well, what hindered you? Good question. Might ask some of us that. You know, it always impresses me that we start out a lot better than we finish up, most of us. What hindered you? Significant that word hindered is a word that means to cut in on. It's the idea of somebody butting in on a conversation. You're on a telephone, you know, you're talking on a telephone. Somebody cuts in and, and interrupts the conversation. He said, what has what has cut in on your relationship with the Lord? What, what's broken in? What's, what's cut in on your fellowship and your fun and, your, and, and, the, and the excitement of living the Christian life? What has, what's, what's, what's happened? And the answer is legalism. Oh, well, you're getting this and I, but it's so significant. That oftentimes the thing that hinders our run in the Christian race is not that we get tired of serving God, it's that we just try harder to serve Him. And legalism breaks in and cuts in. Second question, what effect is it having on you? And he answers that question in verse 7 of chapter 5, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Now what he's saying is that legalism affects everything you do. It affects your prayer life, so you start praying because you think it's ob your obligation to pray. Let me see how much I can pray today. Mm, five minutes, let me get this stopwatch here. It affects your witness, so you come on Monday night because you're obligated to, not because you love souls. It affects your worship. You come to you drag yourself to church and you go through the motions. Legalism affects everything. It's not something that is spontaneous from the heart, it's an obligation that you carry out. Where will it lead? Verse 10. Here's a significant statement. He said, I'm convinced that you'll adopt no other view. He said, I'm confident that the grace message will win out. Number four, why am I persecuted? He's saying, if I'm preaching, still preaching legalism of the Jews, why am I being persecuted? The implication is that when you start preaching grace and you start living grace, there is opposition to that. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. The thing that's most logical is to do more for the Lord rather than to wait on Him to uh, give you His revelation of what you're to do, that kind of thing. And then those words in verse 12, which are the hardest part of all, almost embarrassing to read. He, 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 Paul is so worked up by now, he's talking to those who practice circumcision. He said, why don't they go ahead and emasculate themselves? 
and, 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 and that's pretty painful to our sensitive ears. But what he's saying is he wishes some way that he could get off of the scene these men who preach this false doctrine so the church can grow. It will never grow. You will never grow until you step out of the realm of legalism into the realm of grace. Now there are three questions I need to ask myself. Number one, how highly do I value my freedom in Christ? How highly do I value that? The fact that I can by faith appropriate all God has for me. Secondly, how strongly do I resist having it stolen from me? Stand against it. And so somebody comes to my door and he, he presents this doctrine of legalism, has this little slide presentations, video presentation, all the things I'm to under, undergo and to do for the Lord. It makes so much sense. That seems so logical. Just by faith you live your life? Just trust? Just wait till God reveals what He's doing and that revelation is in His invitation for you to join Him? Does that make, it seems so logical that I get my little book and my, my rules and I say this is what I need to do for the Lord? That seems so logical. I, how strongly do I stand against that? Third question. How fully do I enjoy the benefits of my liberty? How fully do I enjoy the benefits of my liberty? How much does it mean to me tonight that Christ has made all the provision necessary for me to, to be saved and He's made all the provision necessary for me to live a life of victory? I don't have to go back to slavery. How much do I enjoy those benefits? Let's pray together. Our Father, I pray that you'll help us to stand against any attempt of Satan and anyone he would use to lead us to a life of legalism again. And help us to believe that what this is all about in the Christian life is to walk in faith and appropriate what Christ has done for us. For I pray in Jesus' name for His sake. Now there might be some tonight who are lost. I invite you to come tonight to appropriate, to trust, to receive the absolute provision of grace. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourself, it is the gift of God not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in him, in them. God's plan from the beginning was that you come to a point in time where you would just trust his work. Maybe there's some tonight who have been trying their best to please the Lord, You've been working hard, but you're not happy in your life. 
you're the most miserable Christian. What's the answer? Well, quit struggling and trying. And as you receive Christ, so walk in Him, appropriating His provision by faith, trusting that God will provide. Maybe you need to join our church. While we stand to sing, we invite you to come.